The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. best if you were to get a copy of Blueprint magazine of which Herbert is a or the contributing editor because as ever Herbert and I diverge and twist around the subject rather a lot so although we cover a, a very wide gamut of the architectural scene internationally at the moment we don't really come to any main conclusions but hey that's Isotopica. Anyway you are Twice topic. This is me, Simon Tishko. This is Resonance 104.4 FM, the world's most mellifluous art radio station. Pin back your ears and let's see what reports Mr. Wright brings us from the wider world of architecture 2014.
let's go back to the beginning, which is mm. Herbert Wright, international man of action and adventure and architecture correspondent, Deluxe, for Isotopica. It's been some time since you've come to Isotopica to make a report. How come? Um, I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> I've been travelling. Too busy for and, the Resonance and FM and listener. Ah. I've been ill. <laughs> yeah, but, but I'm fine. Oh my God, yeah, you, you, you're back from the brink of death, aren't you? Uh, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you want to touch that from an architectural point of view or just, just breeze past that moment? Well, there's a lot to be said about um, uh, uh, health and architecture. And one of the... <laughs> One of the um, uh, big things that um, uh, is in the news right now is uh, Maggie's Centres. Uh, there's one not far from us, you know, it's sort of... Um, uh, Fulham uh, Palace Road? Yes, absolutely. That's the one designed by Richard Rogers. Mm. These are cancer patient um, uh, care places that are full of tranquility mm. and uh, beautiful um, domestic surroundings where you can contemplate and feel very, very at home, very unclinical. And the whole thing about that that's relevant to, to your question is that the um, man who has been uh, behind it since the death of his wife to cancer, um, he's called Charles Jennings, very big um, architectural thinker and critic. Okay. Um, he, he maintained a position that we should, um, uh, in, architecture should be for its own sake. Um, uh, and he was once, he reported this story, so, so I'm just paraphrasing him. Um, uh, he was once on a panel with a doctor, and the doctor said, no, 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 that's um, uh, not right. Um, uh, architecture can affect the health of people. It can clearly affect people's mental well-being um, and everything, and architecture must take into account um, uh, the people who use it. Obviously, he was talking from a medical viewpoint. Mm. And um, Charles Jenks completely reversed his opinion um, uh, and, and then embraced the idea that uh, his wife, Maggie, was pushing um, uh, shortly before she died, um, which is that cancer um, sufferers uh, would benefit greatly from these places of beautiful architecture, very uh, comforting and tranquil and uh, human architecture, and that's what these Maggie centres are. And there's been another one that's um, opened uh, recently. Um, I think there's about 18 of them, mainly in the UK, but they're in other countries. Privately I, funded? What's the... It's a charity. It's, it's a, a charity. charity. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they build uh, them in hospital grounds? Or they always places. build them in hospital grounds. Hmm. Um, uh, I went to see the one designed by Snur Hetter up in a hospital in Aberdeen. Um, last year, fantastic building. So um, one of the things that they do is that they show you can have quite bold, interesting, innovative architecture that at the same time isn't there to uh, for just for the sake of the shock of the new, um, but it can provide an environment that is just absolutely delightful and tranquil. Going all the, all the way back to Le Corbusier as such, isn't that what he intended with the machine IV? No, um, uh, I myself have very strong opinions about uh, Le Corbusier on, 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 on that front. Go on, do tell, I, I do blame tell. him uh, for inventing the sink estate, um, uh, you know, his ideas about social housing and um, demoting um, uh, people to uh, mere um, 
mere cogs in his machines for living. Um, uh, he was a very, very arrogant man. Of course, he was a genius. Mm. And, you know, there's fantastic buildings by him. But really, he's got a lot to answer for when it comes to uh, social housing and how it's evolved to um, uh, create misery on a mass scale for decade after decade right across the world. I'm actually very curious about this, and I, I kind of, I'm not sure whether I'll question you or argue against that, because I'm kind of reviewing it, I'm thinking very much, I grew up on an estate to the east of London, mm. which was a planned estate, it was social housing, it started off as a little country lane, five houses were built, my mother moved into one of those, and then this huge estate grew up around us, and it mm. was huge green areas, underpasses, you can imagine it sitting on the... Uh, architect's drawing board and looking mm. fantastic. And there's all these little concrete things for flowers and yeah. little walkways and little Absolutely. play areas and this, that, and the other. Absolutely. Yeah, it was a terrifying landscape. Yeah. As a child, I found it a terrifying and inhuman landscape. Yet, going back there now, it's kind of grown in. It's, it's warmed at the edges. And yet, because of the politics behind it all, bearing in mind the night in the 1940s, 1930s, 1940s, say, when there was a big push to social housing, and it came from this great socialist idea where you had um, doctors, nurses, barristers, and the working man would all live on these big estates together. And then very quickly it turned in, it was the politics that turned them into sink estates. Is that true or is this, that's what I'm thinking at the moment, but is that... It's obviously a complex picture and yeah. um, uh, nowadays, to be fair, um, uh, we recognise that a lot of the um, uh, breakdown of uh, social estates um, was because of things not to do directly with the architecture, it was to do with the maintenance of them, mm. uh, the policy of the council, cost yeah, cost um, and so on and so forth. You know, the Trellick mm. Tower became um, the epitome of what a living hell could be um, in terms of, you know, a high-rise social mm -hmm. housing mm -hmm. block. You know, there I, re were... I refused to squat there. In, yeah. the, in, the, in the very early 80s, I was mm. offered a squat there, and I was too frightened to take it. Now, oh. of course, I'd be still living there and really glad. Yes, because yes. money was invested, a concierge, which was always part of the architecture plans, yeah. was put back in. Absolutely, absolutely, that's correct. And the architecture is wonderful. Um, and Goldfinger, who, who designed the block, um, uh, he was a bit of an arrogant fellow himself. As but many architects are, because they're working on such a vast scale. Not to defend, yeah. but let's see what they're doing yeah. on a megalomaniacal scale. So Absolutely so. But um, what I was going to say about Goldfinger was that he <coughs> always kept an ear open to mm. what um, uh, the users of his buildings um, uh, said, you know, once he got berated by a woman in the lift of the Trellick Tower because she didn't have any space to put her um, brooms um, and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, he grumbled, but he took it into account with uh, future designs. So, um, uh, you know, he the architecture was good, and I think we do have to say, mm. yes, there was this uh, regime of uh, neglect and also a regime uh, with a lot of councils where they would deliberately move uh, problem families, whatever a problem family may be, oh, into yeah. particular exactly. blocks, where just making them worse and worse and worse. The, one of the weird things about the Trellick Tower is that turnaround came um, with the concierge and uh, with getting uh, everything in order, making the lifts work and, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. 
um, Ken Livingstone started to look into it, but actually it wasn't the GLC, it was the Tory-run Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea Council mm -hmm. that started instituting the changes sometime in the 80s. So I'm not saying that to, 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 to make no. a political point, but it was just a little bit ironic. Well, we always must understand a certain degree of political balance with these things and mm -hmm. not jump to conclusions which are so obvious when you look at it. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Um, but the, the, the policy behind it, so when you've got architecture that is designed for people, mm. as opposed to when a lot of architecture is commissioned, um, it's commissioned by the developers who are basically the uh, uh, great quote from um, Lord Freud a few weeks ago when he was talking about the common people being stock. We are stock. What? The disabled making people. Making a soup. No, exactly. It is. It's a. a um, we are financial stock, which means, you know, we're units of exchange, which means when things are being developed at a certain way, when you've got Goldfinger reacting, thinking, no, we need more broom space, we need this and the other, you've got the Maggie buildings, the beautiful architecture. Mm. So architecture built for the user, whereas when the user is merely an element in that, like we're seeing the redevelopment of Earl's Court at the moment, and it's mm. being turned into this kind of dystopian, high-rise, um, money-making scheme, yeah. um, there's no room for anyone, because the people commissioning it are very specifically saying, no, it's not for the people, it's for our profits, it's the bottom line. Yeah. So the same thing can be commissioned from two different directions, so we well, see this. Yeah, you, you, um, I, I mean, with cases like Earl's Court and, you know, uh, uh, a lot of the private development that's going on, obviously we're talking about money making. Mm. But um, uh, I think the issue with um, social housing and a lot of other things um, uh, that uh, people have trouble uh, dealing with when it comes to architects and the architectural community is that there is a definite disconnect between the architectural world and the people. Mm. And some, and uh, you know, I think um, uh, while architects can uh, endeavour to do their very best um, uh, historically with social housing, for example, the intentions were generally good, um, mm. but um, uh, they there's a certain arrogance, like, we know best. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, we saw that arrogance in other um, places as well, for example, in the, in the provision of the health service. Absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, so where's the arrogance in that? What do you mean? The arrogance is that architects don't, have not always known what is uh, best for people. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they're, you know, examples like Maggie's Centre where things work are more the exception of um, uh, than the rule unfortunately but it's very very difficult to bridge this gap between the mm. architectural community and um, the people and certainly you know uh, I don't there's any lack of good intentions from so many architects but how on earth do you do it and some say that when you actually engage with the people and try to um, uh, find out what they actually want Often, it's not. They're not clear what no, they want. No, of course not. Well, look, I think that's. Let's think of Apple, for instance. A mm. Potential for many people, a bet noir, the sort of design and whatever. And Apple don't go around going, "What do you like? What What would you like? And we'll make it for you." They work out what's going to be best, and they make something that we didn't even know we want as such, and mm. they do it better than could ever be thought. And to, so, to an extent, perhaps with architecture, it's. I'm very much looking afresh for various projects of this notion of social housing and the, the, you know, we know best, we'll create communities and things. Mm. And, and I can't quite reconcile why it doesn't work. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the, it, it's it's left to the market. It doesn't work. Yeah. Left to the GLC designers, it kind of almost wanted to work, but maybe it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. What's that state in? There's a famous one in East London somewhere, which is very much under threat at the moment, and it's still considered to be the yeah, Robin Hood estate. The Robin, Robin Hood, Hood, Hood estate. estate. Yeah. So what went right there? You know, um, what, <laughs> or, or what went wrong? Uh, it, it, it's a mixed picture, um, and I'm not up to date with all the details. And no, of course, that's getting some. Um, uh, that's getting the old. I'm um, throwing stuff at you here. Catalyst, uh, uh, you know. Let, let's convert it into residences for rich people. Treatment. Mm. Um, I think there's a. I, I wish I didn't. I don't have the details to hand. Uh, I, there must be some. An interesting question from that is, despite affordable housing being an integral part of um, a development deal under law, there's a few things, which is number one, sometimes it's ignored, there's no affordable housing. Mm. Number two, what's affordable anyway? It's affordable if you've got like a salary of £100,000 a year. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, and number three, and this is really um, uh, the big question, is where do the people go? who um, are kicked off these estates and can't afford the affordable Outside the M25, where they precisely, get up at 5.30 precisely. in the morning, yes, yes. paying most of their wages on commercial fees. Absolutely. It's the, it's the commodification of mm. people. Um, this is going back to the notion of people are stuck. And, and, and I do believe you have, at the, the, the very high levels of planning, this notion of stuck. And the thing is, you can see as a person, as an individual, Let's take it to an extreme example. In America, the gulag system, they call it the American penal system, where if you're a young black American man, you're exponentially more likely to end up in prison. And one of the things, with the removal of industrial jobs, and there's no jobs for vast numbers of people, you can still get these people to turn a profit to society by imprisoning them, and then you've got whole communities which is supported by the imprisoning of people from other communities. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, on an economics thing, it's like someone's playing this. What's, what's that game where you build a city, one of the old computer games? You, know, you build, oh, build yeah. a world. Yes, 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 yes. I'm sure younger people would know yeah, that. Yeah, the yeah. young people listening out there, but we don't. Yeah. Sim City. Sim City, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like a Sim City. Let's I think that was the original one. There's, 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 there's far more complex ones. Yeah. They build entire worlds and societies. Sim City, for instance. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, where you see economic units. Well, that, that's people. another question, but, but um, uh, absolutely. And, and incidentally, pr prison architecture is um, uh, an interesting subject in itself. But it was interesting the way you said, because you hit the nail on the head. Where do these people go who are kicked off um, uh, for residential development? They go beyond the M25. Now Paris, of course, has had ah, this famous divide. Yeah, yeah, Les banlieues yeah. are beyond the Boulevard Périphérique. Perif yeah. But actually, the Boulevard Périphérique is pretty close to the centre. It's sort of like the equivalent in London of the border of, of Zone 1 and mm -hmm. Zone 2. Well, like the scale of things in London mm -hmm. is we're creating a Boulevard Périphérique beyond which Perifique. the... There's no extra R in it. No, I think there is an extra R. Let's oh, let's discuss. Okay, okay, can we can we get gonna, some people phoning in on that one? I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it. I think up. we need that phone in. Hang on, I've got a call coming in here. This is um, this is Dominique. She's phoning from Belgium. 
from Belgium. Yeah. Well, maybe she's a, a Dutch speaker. It's peripherique. So I was quite right. There's two R's in it. That means I've always been wrong. Now, that yeah, wouldn't be the yeah. first time. I was wrong for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you've got that. I actually didn't realise the whole thing of that until... Amelie, the film Amelie. Ah, excellent. An, an excellent, lovely film, yet it highlighted this cultural cleansing. Mm-hmm. That, you know, there was all this kind of thing saying there's no black people in this. And I was thinking, actually, that's right, there's no Algerians, there's no. There was Arab. an Algerian, there was, <laughs> she, she, she befriended. It was actually quite a key part to the film because there was um, an Arab uh, fruit seller or grocer on the street who was abused by his boss um, and she um, was on his side, not the boss's side, or, 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 or on the on the hard work. In that instance, forget the details and go to the Aaron, controversy, yeah, which yeah, always yeah. misses that. The controversy was, um, it's showing a very, very pure Paris. Oh, and, right. and that was the only time, because I've always gone to Paris, I love Paris, I love Paris. So nice. Look at the baguettes, everyone walking about with a baguette under their arm, beautiful women, look at it all, it's lovely, utopian. And of course, realising that it is, and this is the model that is very much encouraged these days, I believe that's the, the right-wing idea, is that you have the working classes live outside. Why should they live in the centre when it costs my friend George £500,000 to buy a cupboard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, Good we, point. We, we, we know these arguments well. Politics uh, and envy. I, I would say about the, um, uh, just changing the subject entirely actually. Please. Um, but uh, uh, carrying on from what you say about the, the baguette in Paris. <coughs> and what I notice in Paris and elsewhere in continental Europe is the rise of what I call the English sandwich. You know, um, uh, the square bread um, cut down the middle into two triangles, sort of carefully curated as mm. it were in this vitrine of a, a mm. plastic um, uh, box. And um, uh, I quite like them actually. And uh, Paris is now full of these sandwiches. The English sandwich. Um, Le sandwich anglais. Le, le sandwich anglais. Yeah, the, the Daily March. I remember sitting in a cafe when I was, I was having an existential moment. I was actually, whatever, I, I digress. I was sitting at a cafe and I was considering the march of the baguette. That mm. There's one in the morning and there's one in the evening mm. when just everyone walking down the street has a baguette on their arm. I thought this is actually um, a festival of Priapus. What? You, you, you had a, a festival where you had to have a baguette? A celebration of Priapus. Oh, right? I see. Sorry. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, right. Of male fertility. Yeah. Of yeah. the innate French sexual yeah. passion. Yeah. Do you think? Um, I, it's, it, it's interesting. What, what would the uh, women attending this festival carry with them then? Well, they're carrying them as well. They're carrying them as well. well they're, they're carrying the baguettes. Yeah, they're nurturing, they're, they're nurturing the baguettes. They're carrying all, everyone's carrying this fabulous... Some sort of fruit. Well, they could, but they don't. Well, hey, I don't know. I haven't been there. I've, I've, I've been, you know... <laughs> I was going down the English Sandwich Boulevard. <laughs> not the baguette boulevards. Um, <coughs> yeah, that... So, I'm expirating. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's another digression. Yes. Back to your architectural plans, because you've got a map on the table. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, uh, it's I a just, map of Belgrade, dist- the capital of Serbia. I've distracted you, haven't I? Um, no, 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 that, that, that's quite all right. It, <laughs> it's just that, um, um, you know, one of the things which the um, English are particularly bad at is uh, 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 foreign 
place names, for example, Boulevard Périphérique. Yes. Um, so I thought, if you ask me some questions about Belgrade, a fantastic city, by the way, absolutely love it. I think it's the Berlin of our time in that, um, you know, it's got that uh, thing that Berlin had shortly after the wall came down. Um, uh, it's an old, uh, crumbling city where you can feel this underground culture bubbling up in, in, in graffiti and, and secret um, and not so secret uh, night spots and um, uh, cool hangouts, um, uh, all of that. Um, uh, it's a cheap city and yet it is so drenched in history and it's got so much fantastic classical architecture. It's also got a, a completely different side which is uh, fantastic brutalist architecture across the river, nice. New, New Belgrade, the, the, the mm. city built uh, by Yugoslavia, by Tito, on the other side of the river Sava. So yeah, that's why I got that map out, <laughs> in answer to your question. <laughs> it's um, for... It's got that shabby chic Belgrade has. For, for our listeners, I'm going to describe Herbert's map. It's, it's a classic I'm in a foreign city map and it's got all, all little holes and the folds where it's been folded the wrong way several times. So this is obviously a well-used map. What did you learn in Belgrade? Um, many, many things. I was there for something called Belgrade Design Week. Um, it happens about um, uh, once a year. Not about once a year, it happens precisely once a year. Um, and it's uh, this fantastic get-together um, hosted by this um, uh, extremely exuberant and yet incredibly knowledgeable fellow called Jovan Yelovac. Um, and he knows his stuff when it comes to architecture, to product design, to trends, um, and to advertising as well. So he invites all these international people to uh, talk at his conference. But of course, he's out there to uh, promote uh, Serbian design and to link uh, Serbia um, into the ideas that um, are generally the stuff of chatter in places like New York and London and Milan and places of that nature. Um, so it's a, it's a fantastic talking shop, idea exchange, um, uh, and then um, uh, we get entertained every night in just absolutely great and very hip uh, restaurants that you just would not expect. What hat were you wearing when you went to Belgrade? Because you weren't wearing the Isotopica architecture um, correspondent. No, hat because yeah. we don't have we, we don't get entertained anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was reporting um, uh, on behalf. I was reporting for um, Blueprint Magazine, of which I am the contributing editor. Um, so Blueprint, it's uh, uh, design and architecture, and many people. I'm sure many um, people in residence uh, will know that. But yes. what's the deal with Blueprint now? Hasn't it gone become incredibly expensive? Um, well, it has got a little bit expensive. That is true, and it's become bi-monthly, um, uh, which means uh, once every two months. So, so it's now quite a thick tone. But um, it's a what we're saying uh, with that. Uh, I mean, hopefully, mm. uh, people who've leaped through. Um, uh, in the last year, since we've changed the format and changed the frequency, is that you get a hell of a lot of sheer quality. Of course. In terms of its it presentation, always, always in terms of its writing, yes. But we had to take a stand mm. against this, um, uh, against 
this demotion um, of uh, information and writing that the sure. internet has produced. Of course, you know, we're just being absolutely flooded yeah. with um, uh, words and images, and it's all become um, mm. a takeaway and everything. So, uh, how does the print medium um, uh, react to this? And you know, not even the biggest publishers in, in the world have got the magic answer yet. But our particular answer is to say, right, we think print is a good medium, and we're going to plonk on your doorstep with a big thud something that is sheer quality and here's a lot of it. Great, it's a really brave, um, I mean because the other side, the other opposite of that is to go free. Yes. Chuck it every day, which yeah. is just, you know, do you see it, it's like litter, it's the, um, yeah. what are those things, tumbleweed. Contem- oh, contemporary cultural oh, yeah. tumbleweed. I thought free, by your free. gesticulation you were indicating toilet rolls there, because they're also Exactly, it's just as, <laughs> just as appropriate, you know, yeah, like the yeah. metro and everything else, whereas uh, you're saying quality and deliver. I hope that works. It's an interesting, um, a very brave... Mm, yeah, well, so far so good, actually. Um, Every architecture office that you go into, as I'm sure you and I both enter into architecture offices several times a week, and there's always one or two uh, very large editions of uh, blueprints. Yes, yes, there. I often see it in my um, uh, uh, journeys um, in the world of architecture, so um, that's most heartening, mm-hmm. yes. So, yeah, so I, a lot of presentations um, uh, and a lot of networking um, and um, just as good, if not better, um, uh, the revelation of this incredible city, Belgrade, which I had visited to before, uh, which I had been to before. Um, uh, so I was discovering a little bit more. Um, and I love that place. But there was an elephant in the room. Do you tell? The... Um, uh, there's a lot of land right down by uh, the river that's pretty central um, and uh, the, um, it's railway land and possibly some of it's um, uh, contaminated, this is something I've got to look into, um, but it's like big brownfield site. Um, now the Serbian government have uh, reached an agreement um, with a um, Dubai-based developer um, to build this huge complex of luxury apartment towers, offices, big boulevards, um, uh, and a lot of other things. And it's called Belgrade Waterfront. Eek. Well, it's. I mean, there's a potential yeah. eek. Let's not. I'm not being yeah. a pessimist. Yeah. I'm just going eek. And I, don't want to, and I don't want to prejudge the issue as well because when I first saw it, what's I the government? Thought, what's the government in Belgrade now? Where where are they politically? Have um, no idea? Uh, it's... Um, I don't have... <laughs> I, I genuinely don't. I mean, from, from yeah. you know, the Balkans War way back when, Radovich, etc. One thinks in terms of, are they centre-right, centre-left? Um, okay, now... Curious, just that uh, we'll get the phone call. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and that's something I should be aware of. I, uh, I know that it's a recently changed um, uh, democratic government. Um, As Russell Brand and many other people would say, it would make no difference anyway. Yes, 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 yeah, absolutely. But uh, it seems, but you know, the government um, uh, basically, when um, offered uh, the prospect of two billion euros worth of investment um, uh, in their city, you can hardly blame them for taking the offer seriously. 
Anyway, as for the whole scheme, it wasn't under discussion at Belgrade Design Week, um, and I'm researching it. Um, it's not a black and white case. Um, they've got a new city planner there, who obviously is working uh, with the developers, um, and he's called uh, Malutin. Uh, oh my God! Let me get my desk. Can we? We can edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me just. I like I like this. This see this this is, this is going analog because we're hearing the sound of turning shapers. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I talked to him and I was absolutely surprised. He's very, very um, uh, urbane. Uh, urbane. That sounds the, the, the wrong word. He's very, very clued up on um, uh, modern urban thinking, the role of the pedestrian. Um, uh, for example, how cities, you know, how you can't plonk down a whole lot of new stuff next to this wonderful old city across the road. You've got to c connect them. Um, certainly understands things like uh, the revival of the waterfront um, and even the role of the cyclist. Um, so, um, what I'm waiting on, and it should be forthcoming hopefully sometime in November possibly December, is iteration number two of the plan from the Dubai-based developer Eagle Hills, which uh, will address a lot of the issues that um, have been pretty controversial there. There is a large um, uh, body of opinion that said this whole scheme, Belgrade Waterfront, was pushed through um, without proper consultation um, of the public and bypassing uh, laws and everything. Um, the city says otherwise. It's hard for me, being an outsider and not reading, uh, not reading Serbian, um, uh, to absolutely get down to the facts. But I want to get down to the facts, mm -hmm. um, and I want to see. Um, so I'm trying to keep an open mind. But there's one part of town that I'm particularly concerned about, and it's called Sava Mala. Mm -hmm. Salva Malo is right down by the riverside, it's underneath this bridge called the Branco Bridge um, and it's, um, uh, it's become this uh, creative quarter. Um, uh, it's a very, um, at night time, uh, uh, clubs open up, um, uh, sort of underground parties, that kind of thing. There's uh, streets, a, a very long street in particular, which has the most fantastic um, uh, street art along it. Um, and uh, street artists have congregated on this street um, uh, uh, and it's well worth seeing. It's the buzzy area. It's, it's a very buzzy area. Um, Belgrade Hoxton. Yeah, yeah, just a, a couple of blocks in from the river. There's art galleries and things opening up and all that kind of thing. So I'm very concerned how Belgrade Waterfront impacts Sava Mala. Um, and um, I've had some assurances about particular um, uh, aspects of it from the city architect, but you know, I need to delve a little bit more into that. It's before I give my final opinion. Before you give your final opinion, which I hope we get first here on Ice Go 104.4 okay. FM. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, know? we know it's the one that, uh, that in Belgrade, the government offices, they're tuned in to know exactly oh, where, yes. which side of the fence are you going to land, Herbert? Yeah. I mean, instantly, I can, I can guess that story there. The artists move in, they make an area interesting, they make it funky, glorious, wonderful, then lots of people move in, then the bankers buy the studios. Hmm. Artists move out outside the peripherique. Yes, yes. <laughs> See, I've added the extra R in there because I'm adaptable. 
Well, you know, there, there, there's other question marks as well, which are commercial question marks, which is, you know, you might be able to build uh, luxury apartment towers in somewhere like London or New York or Dubai and be assured of um, uh, this um, international moneyed um, uh, elite um, uh, being able to afford them. Is that necessarily the case with Belgrade? Is that actually what they want to do? It seems to be, but, uh, you know, I'd like a little bit but it's, more it's, it's another pre-crash um, balloon, surely, is the, the property market, very much like... Do you remember Iceland, how it was the biggest balloon economy in the world and was one of the first to cra crash, 2008? Oh, yes, 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 I, I, indeed, yeah. Incidentally, I should say that the president of uh, Serbia, um, Tomislav uh, Nikolic, um, is from the Serbian Progressive Party, which is a centre-right party, actually. Okay. Yeah, but the, the country's... Um, the, the names, part, the names parties... Yeah, the okay, yeah, as I understand yeah, it. There was a lot of change after the Balkans mm. conflict. And yeah, the absolutely. By the way, you mentioned Tito earlier on, and at yeah. the moment I'm feeling a real Tito love revival. Oh. Have you noticed this? Have you picked up on any of this yet? I haven't noticed it um, uh, here. Um, uh, that's passed me by. But one thing that I went to um, in Belgrade, not on this particular trip, was um, a museum to um, uh, the communist days. Mm. And, you know, I think we've always had this image here in the West. So Tito was this nice, cuddly version of the communist dictator. Sure. Um, well, that appears not to be the case. Oh. You know, he had his gulag. He, um, he suppressed... Can't be a communist without a gulag. Well, indeed, his opponents were ruthlessly eliminated at, yeah. the, at the beginning. He ruined the agricultural system. Um, uh, yes, he, he, he softened up as the decades went by and, and, and decided to engage with the West, I think, to get the tourist money in. But um, that's not how he started. No. It's, OK, well, my... My groovy Tito thing only comes from a particular documentary that I saw recently about the Tito and the film industry. Oh, right, OK. Did, did you know what... Uh, f he, he was an absolute cineast. He loved movies. He had his own private projectionist. Ah. And every single night, his projectionist would have a film ready to show him in his private cinema. And yes. as a result, the Yugoslav film industry was absolutely... Enormous. It was very well subsidised. A major film thing. And of course, it's it's a dictator's pet project. That means he's not so. Uh, I'm not so naive. Yeah, yeah. As to think, but it was a side of that I didn't actually know about. And um, many big Hollywood stars went and made huge films out there. Well, I, yeah, uh, I didn't know that. I Richard Burton, you yeah, know, Cary yeah. Grant, all of them were oh, out there. Really I, believe. Right. I, I made that about, about Cary Grant, but it's probably okay. there. There were lots of them yeah. in Serbian language, in, in Yugoslav language films. Dictators do often have a, a, a soft spot for film. I mean, I remember when I was in uh, Lisbon last, um, you know, the dictator up until uh, the 1970s, um, Antonio uh, Salazar, he had his own private screening room in the number one cinema on the Avenue of Liberty, Avenue de Liberdade, um, uh, which which I went to. Um, uh, so he actually went out, he went to the cinema, but he had his own private room yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of st stuck up in the back. But of course, you know, the worst example of that surely has to be um, the North Korean uh, Kim, yeah, yeah, Kim, not the current one, no, his current father, previous Kim, um, who kidnapped a, a famous Korean, South Korean filmmaker yes. and held him hostage for a number of years until he made some films. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 could it's you make mad. it up? Could you make yeah. it up? No, but yeah. then there's yeah. much about the current and previous international political scene that, let's face it, you couldn't make up because yes. it's true. Yes, 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 yes. yes. So ah. further town to turning pages. We're doing very well on time, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Um, are we all right? Well, well, I, hope, uh, I hope you'll edit out the bits where, where I'm humming and ahhing. Yeah. <laughs> I might just edit those in, as I did with that film for David Ellis and Jonas Mekas. We're trying to edit David Ellis. I mean, how do you edit David Ellis to make sense? Um, well, um, if you tuned in, um, he makes incredible sense. Exactly. But, but to communicate that, is yeah. not um, uh, making sense of him, but tuning in in the first place, yeah. once yeah. you tuned in, man, it's pure Exactly, magic. exactly. He's the best. And yeah. we, we kind of managed it in the film, but more or less by cutting out all of his dialogue and just had his thinking moments, and it really worked. Oh, okay. Uh, just saw the man there. The yeah, power yeah, of the man yeah, was yeah. in that... Mm. Yeah. The question mark above his head. Yes, 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 Deep yes. Thought. Big yes. blue. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, um, uh, the artistry of um, of a mime artist, really. Oh, that's a curious thing for him. Anyway, further architectural adventures. Um, okay. Well, <laughs> recently, <laughs> recently, I chaired a panel discussion um, at uh, at Grimshaw. Uh, Sir Nicholas Grimshaw. He's one of the great British architects. Absolutely. Um, uh, comes from uh, you know he did the Eden Project, for example. Yep. Uh, down in Cornwall, lots and lots of other things. Got offices in New York and Australia, um, uh, doing very big projects. I think he's doing the biggest uh, railway project, railway station project in Europe, by the way, I'd have to double check if there's anything big on the continent. London Bridge, London Bridge Station. It's like a billion pound rebuilding of London Bridge. I thought it had been rebuilt, it's still going on? It, 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 it's ongoing um, uh, right now as we speak. Um, so Because uh, they've kept the platforms big. over the river, which is absolutely delicious. Um, now That's London Bridge, isn't it? No, 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 no. I think you're thinking Blackfriars. Blackfriars, which is finished, those platforms went over the river, confused. and now they go so far over the river that you can get off at the other end and um, step onto the south bank. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The station exits both sides. Inter incidentally, there's a, a, an interesting thing there. Because, um, so, Blackfriars, I had always assumed, was the city. It's, you know, a little bit of the city of London on sure. the North Bank. Mm. Um, and I always thought a little bit odd, underneath the Victorian Railway Bridge by Southwark Station, yes. there's um, a Victorian sign that says Blackfriars Station. So there'd been a station there in Victorian times which they closed years ago. And I thought, well, you know, it's on the wrong side of the river. Why have they done that? Well, now that Blackfriars Station, as we know it, extends to the south side of the river, yep. that little bit of the south bank will legitimately become Blackfriars just because everyone will start saying it's Blackfriars. Yeah, you can get out of the train on either side and it's still Blackfriars. Yeah, that's that's what that's I'm kind of That's a radical remapping of London going on in our day. Yeah, 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 that is, that is. Anyway, so yeah, so, so, sure. so I was chairing this panel, we, we, we were talking about designing the future, and um, uh, I thought, well, I thought, you know, how, how shall I start this? Because I'd only chaired one panel discussion before, I thought, you really got to start with a joke. <laughs> 
Oh, and I had quite a, 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 a big audience of, of the lovely Grimshaw um, employees. It, it wasn't a public event, this was a closed event just for the practice. Um, so, so I told them the story about how I'd once been invited to do this and I took along these, uh, these uh, woodworking tools and some leather um, and uh, velvet as well. Oh, it was so embarrassing. I thought I'd been asked to panel a chair, not chair a panel. Oh, Herbert. So, um, uh, very quickly, um, with uh, the panel was discussing the issue of designing uh, the future. Um, I had some fantastic guests, um, uh, I won't name them all, um, but some very distinguished guests including Vicky Richardson, Director of um, Architecture, Design and Fashion at the British Council, uh-huh. and we were, uh, we, we were discussing issues like the smart city and what have you, and um, one of the things that came out of it was this rise of the smart city. Do you know about the smart city? Detail, detail. Well, um, uh, uh, allegedly, um, cities should operate more and more efficiently as uh, we uh, have more and more digitalization of things like the services we use, um, uh, electricity, but also like traffic flow and all of this. If computers are constantly churning the information mm. and making decisions, um, you know, you, we've, we've had traffic lights that change according to traffic for some time. But if you make the, if you wire up the whole city mm. um, so that um, uh, it's constantly um, uh, giving information, then, then we should be able to um, do things like use a lot less energy, um, uh, plan um, the city to be more efficient in terms of you know, where houses and offices are, make transport run more efficiently, and a lot, a lot of other yeah, things. I mean, I'm just scratching yeah. the surface. This is the internet, so, the internet of things coming in. It's into. absolutely the internet of things. And uh, one of the things about the internet of things is that uh, the internet of things is rapidly becoming bigger than the internet of us. Well, we have, um, we have big data, and there's a new thing, which is, there's, there's, what's bigger than big? Um, there's ginormous, a, it's ginormous. Like that. There's a nice catchword for it at the moment because we've had big data for a while, but now there's kind of vast data above that, and that is that's to do with the Internet of Things, of where, oh, yeah, where yeah. the hardware around us is reporting back. And what another quick political spin at the edge here before you continue there that the command economies mm. of socialism, yeah. There were such terrible failures in Russia, the Soviet Union, because it was so inefficient, it was impossible to tell what was going on. With this vast data coming in, where you've absolutely got the supply and the demand totally connected, feeding back, left and right, left and right, that notion of utter control of the whole supply and delivery chain. Mm. It's very, very interesting, actually, it raises the question, which... which perhaps hasn't been examined, which is that uh, can smart systems ultimately um, uh, replace um, uh, capitalism as the um, uh, driving force and the controller of the market? Yes. Uh, uh, I think that might there be goes. what you very, 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 very big, big question yeah. involved there. And, 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 and that raises the question of, uh, you know, when, if the time has not already passed, 
do we need to introduce some uh, regulations um, uh, to give a basic morality to the controlling mechanism? You know, capitalism should be controlled by regulation and laws and everything. And of course, you know, it seems to be out of control in some departments, perhaps. But um, uh, what about all this machine stuff? And of course, you know, there's 10 billion smart devices in the world now. Well, it could be 100 billion by the year 2050, according to IBM. I think that's and and that's also the, the the next steps we're having now is um, artificial intelligence. Yeah. Whereas at the moment you've got smart equipment and you've got um, non-parallel computing. That's what we have at the moment. It's linear computing, and when you actually have um, vast parallel computing, which came in with the GPUs, the graphics mm. processing unit, and we are making very, very close steps. Symbiosis, interesting mm. example. Um, Big Blue, IBM, mm. the big test of computer power was against Garry Kasparov, mm. the notion of the chess masters yes. playing against computer, and then from Absolutely. like 2006 or something, the computer defeated Kasparov. Um, Kasparov, yeah. or whatever the dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, IBM pulled off a better one than that later on uh, with Watson. Um, uh, Watson is this um, the next computer thing. This fantastic project that's okay. been going on for a few years that can um, understand um, spoken English and can mm. Uh, mm. read, and you know they feed it vast amounts of data. And um, that there's an American TV program called Jeopardy. Um, I don't quite know how Jeopardy works, but it, it's sort of based on general knowledge, and people ask um, uh, ask general knowledge questions. It's one of the old ones, is it? It, 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 it is, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Been going on for ages. Well, Watson, this IBM con uh, uh, creation, um, uh, entered Jeopardy mm. um, and uh, and won. Yes. And this is absolutely remarkable. This is such a big step forward. This very much ties in. In, in AI. Yeah, this is very much ties in what I'm saying. But all that information that Watson would have mm. is coming from us. So that every time we do a Google search, every time we make a selection and saying this is what we prefer, this is what we want, that goes back. The, the more information that is processed and when that information is fed forward. But going back to Kasparov, mm. Big Blue and IBM, yeah. What's actually happened is that rather than suddenly all the chess players going right, there won't be any more grandmasters. What we're finding now is there's more grandmasters chess-wise than there were back in Kasparov's oh, days. Oh, interesting. And right. the grandmasters now play a hybrid game oh. where you have the human working with the computer. Oh, I see. And the human, where we've got the ability, where we suddenly go, no, we're going to go that way. Never mind all the evidence says that we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. And it makes a hybrid player. Now that's uh, this is this is an evolution so far unseen but, mm. but it's beginning to happen yes, so with yes, all the data yes, yes. we feed in it goes into central that data has been collected this is the vast data i'm talking yeah. about all of the data that we are generating and using and making sense of we're making yes and no decisions all mm. the time that's in a sort of uh, linear sense putting it into ai multi processed parallel processed and feeding it back with humans, us working with that, that's a kind of exponential leap into unknown territory. Absolutely. Very much smart city Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think the time uh, may come, um, very likely will come, and I don't know whether it's uh, uh, five years away or 50 years away, um, when um, something that is um, uh, a machine intelligence says to itself, Possibly because, like Hal in the film 
2001, mm. it's uh, been programmed with a survival instinct, um, effectively. It might say to itself, why do I need these human this beings? Is, this, is, this, is the fil- this, is, this is the fear. And one of the things that they're trying to build into this now is no consciousness. Mm. Because they realise we are getting to a point that's so close to consciousness, mm. removing the notion of consciousness within that. Yeah. However that's done, whatever that means, but is that possible? Well, um, it's uh, a very dystopian it, step it, yeah, to, yeah, to have. And, and it's a very interesting question what consciousness is anyway. Battlestar Galactica, I, I have to, to say here, never yeah. mind 2001, Battlestar Galactica with the Cylons took it a step further. Oh, right, okay. Oh. Have yeah. you seen it? No, 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 I haven't actually. We're coming up to 46 minutes, and I would suggest we wrap up around the time of 50 minutes, because that gives us time to play a little bit of music in between and at the ends. Okay, yeah, absolutely fine, absolutely fine. But is that 46 minutes including um, uh, things that we didn't know what we were talking about, like who, who uh, the current colour of the political regime in Serbia? Well, it's all in there, but you know, I'm, basically we've got a chunk of recording that's about 46 minutes long at this stage. Oh, Don't worry about it, there's chop change and I can always speed it up if we need to get more room than we can possibly do in reality. Yes, yes. We'll start all over again, because as usual, Herb, once we start talking, could we ever stop? No, 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 no. Well, can, 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 can I leave a passing thought which kind of like links up with um, uh, um, uh, Serbia? Mm. and um, uh, the future and that is uh, one of the nicest things you can do in Belgrade there's so many nice things there is to go to the Nikolai Tesla Museum oh, Nikolai right. Tesla yeah, yeah, yeah. was um, uh, this fantastic inventor um, he did most of his work in America actually mm. um, uh, went head to head with Edison and died uh, Tesla man. was he died a poor man talking to pigeons who lived in his um, desk in a downmarket hotel in some sleazy street in New York. Um, uh, quite sad. Or was it? Maybe he was happy talking to the pigeons. Mm. We don't actually know. But this guy was a total genius. Yes. He was decades ahead of uh, everyone else. He was ahead of Edison. Mm. Um, uh, and how nice it would be if we could have Tesla here. Because I've got a gut feeling that Tesla would be able to see how this whole AI thing will, s- will spin out. Hopefully so. Um, why, why hopefully so? Because he's dead, so he's not coming back. No. That's a bit of a sad note to end on, wasn't it? It's it, it, death, you know, it's Woody it's, Allen's a it's, great, great career move. A great career move. But it's actually one of one of Tesla's things, is the great, the, the sort of hippy-dippy conspiracist. That's where our conversation started off, as hippy-dippy stuff earlier on, before we switched the recorder on. But the hippy-dippy conspiracists often bring out Tesla's giant tower that was dismantled and pulled to pieces. And this yes, was near the end of his career. Yes. The giant tower that yes. pulled free energy from the ionosphere. Yeah, yeah. And they always say, look, look at that. Yeah. And you go, well, what? And they go, well, that was them. Yeah. They stopped him yes. because. And you go, well, because of what? And they're going, well, because it's free energy. And going, and why did they stop him? Well, because it's a conspiracy. Yeah. And that's as far as it ever goes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I can't remember the details, but but, but, but that big tower, um, I think it blew the fuses for like a few kilometres around. It did, didn't it? We'll, um, we'll uh, look into that in further yeah, detail at some yeah. point. 
However, can I make a, an absolutely impassioned request that this time, next time, isn't so long away because we've barely scratched the surface. We, we have. come to no conclusions whatsoever and we have not educated or elucidated anyone. But that, No, we haven't. That we, was, uh, I feel I've failed in my mission. Uh, I, I must apologise. No, that's, hope, that's kind of the ice to I hope I've managed to get the message across. So Belgrade is well worth a visit. This fantastic city. There uh, you go, Belgrade. That's got the plug. Herbert Wright, architectural, architectural, architectural man about town, international and isotopic special architectural correspondent. Thank you very much for turning up here at Flight in West London. My pleasure, Monsieur. And now I must return to the Boulevard Périphérique. Au revoir. Au revoir. here on Resonance 104.4 FM, the world's most desirable and delightful art radio station. I have that on very good authority. Today you have been listening to Mr. Herbert Wright. You can find details of Herbert's wider work in Blueprint magazine, which I'm sure everyone out there is actually very familiar with because it is the architecture magazine. Herbert has been talking us to us today on a very wide-ranging architectural brief and details of that can also be found on my website and on Herbert's website, my website being www.theculture.net. Follow the link, see where you go. And Herb's website is www.herbertwright.co.uk but you can always find Herb just by googling groovy architecture, Herbert Wright blueprint, stuff like that. He's everywhere. This is Isotopica, this is me, Simon Tishko, and next week, Isotopica, we're going to be starting off with a target on a wall, a shooting range target in a wall, covered in holes, a bullseye or two, maybe, maybe not. The target is signed, William Burroughs. Where will that take us? We're going to be in conversation, if we're lucky, with Mr. James Fox, writer, novelist, 
journalist, Vietnam vet from way back in the day, and someone who's basically got an anecdote for every, every, every situation imaginable. We'll be joined by James, and we'll be talking about all things William Burroughs, Vietnam, international politics, journalism, and more. This is me, Simon Tishko, signing off for another seven days. The show will be repeated for those who weren't sure about it the first time at 5am Sunday morning. Simon Tishko, signing out. Sayonara. This programme was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.